0: Bigfoot sightings alien abduction near-death experiences and more get advice and insight with angels to aliens Heidi Hollis the outlander Outlander. <laughs>
1: Welcome, welcome, everybody, to Angel Sailings with me, Heidi Hollis, the Outlander, here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. The question is, do you believe? Mm -hmm. Join me now where we discuss the most incredible stories on the planet, from paranormal to mysteries to horror to even heavenly interventions like near-death experiences. Mm-hmm. I will also welcome you, the listener, to send over your personal stories of mysterious happenings that you'd like to share or get advice on, and I'll also be interviewing some of the most intriguing guests from researchers to experiencers, authors, and cultural creatives. And remember, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, iTunes, we're available on your favorite directories iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And you can also find us at believe.com. That is B L E A B.com. And at believe podcast. And know that you can find me on Twitter at one Heidi House. Just put a one in front of my name on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, I got a really special guest for you guys. You're going to be blown away. Healing with sound, vibration, frequency, and light. Wit, wisdom, and wow are synonymous with Dr. Mary Helen Hensley. Her marriage of no holds barred humor and honesty, I like that, coupled with integrity and compassion, make her one of Ireland and Europe's most sought after metaphysical healers and speakers. So After receiving a BA in communications and graphic design, Mary Helen was involved in a high-speed collision in Charleston, South Carolina, which resulted in a near-death experience, otherwise known as NDE. Riddled with injuries, she went on to earn her doctorate to become a chiropractor, which is, wow, that's mind-blowing, and and she was uh, gifted with downloading an individual's biography in order to change their present state biology. Dr. Hensley has facilitated the healing process for countless individuals, and she is the author of nine books, including Promised by Heaven, which is the number one bestseller. Wow, Bringing Death to Life, I love it. So everybody, round of applause for Dr. Hensley. How are you doing there? Hey, Heidi, I'm so glad to be here. I'm doing great, thanks. Oh, this is fabulous to have you on. My goodness, you sound like you have had quite the history. I didn't even know where to begin. So (laughs) your your career started in one direction and you totally flipped the switch and and, and went into medicine. I mean, I, I understand the inspiration. Was it because of some of the injuries that you had and you just thought, I'm going to go this way or?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's an interesting story because um, from the time I was very young, you mentioned there, my first book, which was called promise by heaven. Mm -hmm. And the title of that book actually came from an, uh, an experience that my father, who was a Southern Baptist minister, um, an experience that he had when my mother was pregnant with me and they had been given very bad news that things weren't going to be Okay. And my dad gets this visitation. So remember you've got, you know, you're in the Bible belt in the South and you've got this minister who suddenly has what he describes as the celestial visit. He didn't say angels. He said celestial. So he's got these two beings Uh who come to him and say, your daughter is going to be fine. And remember back in those days, they didn't tell, you know, they didn't didn't know who was coming. And after being told that I was going to have all sorts of, um, physical um, incapabilities um and disturbances within my body. This being tells my father, no, everything's going to be okay. And she's actually coming here to do some, some pretty interesting things. And so from the time I was very small, the only way that my dad could digest what happened to him in his language was to tell me if I got upset or if I was ever in trouble or anything, he's like, look, you're promised. What does that mean? You know, you're (laughs) promised. It means to him that somebody that he couldn't put a name on came in and told him that this this little girl was going to grow up to do something. I like that. Unique and, and, and... extraordinary so that's where the title of that book actually came from promised was was what my dad always
1: called me after that incident so um <laughs> I liked it it's almost like he's holding heaven to their word like yeah exactly hey, exactly you are promised to be this way so you're going to exactly. be all right or everything's going to be just fine that's beautiful it's kind of a nice reassurance to have
0: exactly and so as I grew up um you know my my closest relationship when i was a very young child was with my grandfather um, he was a doctor um, from kentucky a surgeon his name was dr garland clark and we all called him you know some people say granddad or pop pop or whatever we we called him judge that was our nickname for him and cuz he had this face this very he get this you know stern face but he was just the most loving man at least and it wasn't
1: an ex- executioner I yeah mean.
0: exactly <laughs> But he was, you know, a very interesting character because he actually worked with um, Edgar Casey. If you're familiar with with Casey. Oh, gosh, and the, yes. Yeah. So really, really neat individual. And he really coached me through my early life and and still does. You know, he's around all the time. But it was um, it was that relationship that I had with him that kind of pushed me post car accident into where, you know, where I went with um going to chiropractic school and all. But the interesting thing was that judge had been dead since I was one. And oh. so another thing that my parents had to digest, you know, as the Southern Baptist minister and, and minister's wife was the fact that I was coming to them and talking all the time about my mother's father and telling them things that as a young child, three, four five years old, I couldn't possibly know because he was dead. Huh. And finally this conversation happens. And, you know, my dad had this, he was a, you know, obviously a public speaker and, he had this big booming Southern voice and he, he sat me down. He said, sugar, and I'm five <laughs> sugar. Do you know the difference between alive and dead? And I said, what? Do you understand what it means to be a person who's alive and a person who's dead? And it was at that moment that I suddenly realized, Oh, hang on a second. And my parents realized that they're really dealing with something kind of so far out of their, their, perception of normal interactions, you know, because they're like, there's no way that they can deny that I'm having this interactions with my dead grandfather, because of what I'm reporting back to them, the things that I shouldn't know that only he wow. could have told me. So it was judge post accident who said to me, hey, you're going to chiropractic school. And I'm going, Kyra, what? I'm <laughs> going where? And I thought, How interesting, because you're a medical doctor and you're a surgeon. Why do you want me to go that direction? And he said, because the work that we're going to have you do requires that you have a deep understanding of the mind, body, and spirit connection in a human experience. And we don't want you going through the medical route because the tendency there is to to teach a more mechanistic pieces and parts approach to the human experience as opposed to this, you know, this free flowing and, um, and experience yeah. of, of combining all the different aspects of what it means to be, I love, I love, to that. Be human. Yeah. I love
1: that. I mean, it, it, which is so true. I mean, for people who don't know, my background is as an occupational therapist and I I've, I've been among the, 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 the poor people that are going through the worst time of their lives and they have this white coat, uh, fear going on and and they're just being dealt things and and walked out on and and just having to deal with it and i i'm sitting there like translating is what i feel like so Mm -hmm. yes (laughs) so i understand i mean it's 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 a different approach that you're able to do, uh, in your line of practice. So that's, yeah, that's that's beautiful. I I love that. It's it's a
0: vitalistic approach. You know, it says to the Mm -hmm. person from the get go that the moment your energies meet, whether, you know, like you and I are in two different parts of the country and the moment our energies meet when you're approaching another individual from a vitalistic standpoint, as opposed to breaking them down as to some kind of, you know, machine or, right. you know, exactly. that it operates in this way. You know, you're a different being with different experiences and, and, and I come to you and I, that. exactly. That. They really I meet do. you where you are. And I see you for the fact that you're just another piece of me yeah. as I am a piece of you experiencing you. life in a completely different way. Thank you.
1: So you mentioned your car accident. Let's go to that. I want to hear what exactly took place and uh, okay, so this, let's get into the juicy let's stuff let's get into the juicy stuff <laughs> okay so I'm I'm
0: I love keeping it real. So I'm going to be very truthful with you here. So mm-hmm. you can imagine I grow up, I've, I've been promised as the child. And then I'm talking to the dead grandfather and I'm now moving into a phase in my early teens where I'm having all these dreams and they're prophetic dreams. They come true with freaking my parents out and, um, you know, this is going to happen. Hey, Mrs. Jones down the street is going to die on Tuesday. And they're like, Wah! and I don't know really what to do because of course they don't know what to do with it. And yeah. so this is when it became very quiet and my, I think my father feared me being exploited in some way. And so, you know, that his, his way of dealing with what he couldn't get his head around was let's just keep it between us. My siblings didn't even know. So you can imagine they thought I was a lunatic when my first book came out because they're like, that didn't happen. And my mom's going, uh, yes, it did. <laughs> and they're like, what?
1: Right, right And,
0: um, so as I get older and I go off to college, you know, to be quite honest, the extent to which I'm using these extraordinary gifts is, you know, I'm a, I was a cheerleader in college and um, we thought it would be fun. You know, my, my roommate, she knew what I could do because she was living in the same room with me and I it couldn't be hidden. Um, and so, you know, we put on our little cheerleading outfits and I'd write down on a piece of paper, or something, and I'd stick it in the envelope and I'd stick it in the top drawer with my underwear. And we'd go off and we'd cheer at the game. And then everybody come back to the room and we'd crack open a beer and pull out the envelope. And there would be the score of the basketball game. Love it. And so that was the extent at the age of 18, 19, 20, my service to humanity. <laughs> so that's how I'm using these really extraordinary gifts. <laughs> so I, on some level, knowing who I was going to be as I unfolded here as an, you know, an an early human, I apparently set this up for myself, and I learned this later from a council of beings that I work with, which I know sounds totally bizarre, but that's my normal. Um, and so, what I had organized was that if I hit adulthood, if I reached the age of twenty-one and i had yet to find my own way using my own free will to use these gifts in service to humanity to become a steward in essence that if i hadn't found my way that i created a set of circumstances that would allow me to see that way instantaneously so lo and behold you know i graduate from college and as you do in the South, you know, I was dating a guy and he was from Charleston, South Carolina, and we were getting serious. And so we moved, you know, to Charleston and we're both working there. And I'm not doing anything extraordinary. My life at that stage was, to be honest, quite mediocre. And um, so I go off to, I'm working in a sign company, not with my great graphics degree, I'm mopping floors which is the best thing that had ever happened to me. This mm. is where I taught to learn a job from the inside out. And so I'm on the way to the sign company where I'm working for the Christmas party. I'm wearing bright red Bermuda shorts, a Santa Claus t-shirt and a jingle bell around my neck.
1: That's appropriate. And
0: there you go. And it's, <laughs> you, well, cause it's hot as hell outside. It's Charleston in December. of course. <laughs> and um, I get to the intersection of highway 17, which is a major intersection and I'm waiting as the first car at my traffic light, it's, it's red. And I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. And then my light turns green and I have to go across a number of lanes in order to make a left turn to go towards town. And so my light turns green and I start getting across. Well, when I get to the last lane, I look left and I see a car barreling towards me. And in that moment, it was, this is when it all changed for me. Everything just slowed down time literally started to crawl. And I knew in that moment, oh, I'm getting ready to die. Mm. And I was totally okay with that. And I was like, oh, this is so interesting. This is how, oh my God, this is how this works. Oh yeah, everything is slow, slow, slow. And I knew in that moment that I had a choice. And my two choices available in that moment were you can stay inside that body, experience the impact and then die if there's something you need to take from that. Or you can exit the body before before the car hits you, and you can go that way. And I'm like, oh, okay, so I'm definitely dying here. That, that so, is
1: fascinating right there. And a lot of people should yeah. pay attention because they think people suffer and die no, alone. Uh-uh. And I have no. heard this type of thing before. So It's life-changing.
0: Yeah. It is life-changing. And is. it doesn't matter if you've got a bullet coming at you in a in a, in a gang shooting. Mm-hmm. That bullet is going to come at a snail's pace towards you as you decide how you need to exit and what you need to take from the death. You are always in control because I've, you're the one I've who organized this. it. And I want people to know
1: that. Yes. I, it's like, I, I, I'd heard from a gentleman who was being stabbed to death several, like 30 stabbings. And, mm-hmm. and while it's going on, he got the chance to pull out Mm -hmm. and 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 speak to a being would you would you like to remain uh we could take you you don't have to feel this you don't have to be alone here and i mean and to make that absolute decision so i i hear you so yeah it's it's
0: yeah why the the suffering is is literally an illusion it sounds so cliche but it's true yeah and so in that moment i go okay well i think i'm going to take door number two because that guy's going really fast and that's really going to (laughs) hurt. And (laughs) I think I don't need that. And so what ended up happening is, you know, everything speeds up. I'm now up and out of my body and I watched the remainder of the accident happen. So from a bird's eye view, I see everything speed up and this guy hit me at 75 miles per hour. He T-boned me in the driver's side I watched my head go out through the window. My neck broke. I saw it snap and the seat folds up underneath me. I'm stuck by my seatbelt to the car. You know, of course, now there's some things happening. There's glass everywhere and I'm bleeding. and, And I'm looking at that body going, huh. And this is where I use the example. And it's the best one that I have. If you were outside and it was really, really hot and you were out in the garden you know, you're doing your gardening or you're mowing the lawn or whatever, and you're hot and you're sweaty and you finish the work and you go inside and you peel off those nasty clothes and you throw them down by the washing machine. And then you go in and take the most glorious shower as you're washing all that muck off of you. And it just feels so good. Yeah. The last thing you're thinking about is your dirty clothes sitting next to the, to the washing machine. (laughs) So when you discard that body for that moment and you're up and out, you are not going, oh my God, I'm dead. I'm pining away for everybody. You're watching and you're observing your own demise as you're simultaneously remembering, oh my God, oh yeah. And you say a whole lot of, oh yes, because the <laughs> veil lifts instantaneously. right? And you're like, oh my God, yes. And then you have this wonderful realization. I remember who I am, what I came here for. Oh, that was extraordinary that was amazing. And so for me, this is where the the tunnel of light scenario happens. You know, for some people they see that whole light thing for me, it was like, I was literally watching that accident and watching, you know, the congregation gather and the cop come in and reach through the window to turn the engine off. So it didn't explode. And the weird lady who came up and put her phone number on the front seat of the car and then ran away because she had witnessed it, but didn't want to be involved. And that's simultaneously happening while I am going through the space of being there and then in another place. And I land in this atmosphere that is palpable, that is full of frequency, sound, light. That's all it is. And I'm going, holy crap. Oh my God. I remember now heaven's not a destination. It's a feeling. It's the space where I create from. So I'm like expecting because, you know, I've just been conditioned for the last 21 years of of that earthly life, you know, in a Southern Baptist household, you're going to land in a cloud or in that golden city and you're sitting at the right, you know, next to the throne at the right hand of God, you know, and and I'm going, oh my
1: gosh. What are you seeing exactly?
0: So I'm in this atmosphere that is palpable. I can touch the air around me. I can feel it. I am it. And it's just running through me. It's coursing through every fiber of whatever that light being that I have become was. And out of that, these two shapes take form and these two beings step forward. And these two beings happen to be the same two beings that had visited my father 21 years earlier. Oh my. And these are my guides, my guardians. And they sat and they patiently waited because um, I don't know about you, but I'm in my fifties now. So menopause is a, is a um, real <laughs> thing in my life. And, I have that thing now where I could know you for the last 20 years. And if I see you out of context, I can't remember your name. And I'm going, Oh, and so it's that kind of moment here. Like, they are like,
1: you should know. I know. People. You. Oh
0: my, Oh, hello. I do it with my patients all the time. You know, Hey, okay. thanks for being my patient for the last two decades, but I see them in the frozen fruit section in the grocery store. And I'm like,
1: um, right, right, uh, right. yeah. <laughs> well, can you tell us what they looked like? What is this place? Yeah. What is this space? So, so they, it's the
0: space in between. And so what they did was the atmosphere begins to take shape. And so they take on a shape. Now, remember I'm freshly dead. So they are going to try and suit what is most comfortable and familiar for me as I make that transition. So they took on a very human appearance. They were very, very grandfatherly looking. They were very, very wise and, and loving and wonderful. And the robes that they wore were caramel with this like pearly sheen. These were colors that I've never seen on earth because we're dealing on a different plane. Yeah. And I was so just in awe. And so they just sat there hovered there and waited patiently as I brought myself to a place where I could remember who they were. They didn't push and they just waited. And I'm like, finally the penny drops and I'm like, Oh my God, you're my guardians. (gasps) Oh, and then the homecoming of all homecomings. You want to talk about being wrapped in enveloped in love, remembering that someone has been with you since the dawn of your creation. Love it. And I was like, Oh man, this is amazing. And so, you know, we go into a space where there is a review. So that's a real thing, guys. There's actually a review. And so now I've just done 21 earth years. So it's like, I've got my greatest fans, my biggest cheerleaders just surrounding me with their love. And, and it's like the highlights reel starts playing. But what's so interesting is that I'm watching my life play out. And this is super important. In like a three hundred and sixty degree theater, so I am watching myself at, a, at a, as three years old at the same time as I'm a cheerleader in college at nineteen. I'm watching myself make fun of a child when I'm seven at the same time that I am exercising grace and love to another at the age of twenty. All at the and same and these time. things are happening all at the same time, and so. Was anything about- said?
1: Anything said to you prior to this review? I mean, who did anybody raise their hand and say, I "And mean, we're going to have a look here"? <laughs> no, it's just like you get into there and you let you know what's happening.
0: You remember, you're remembering. Oh, this is what happens next. You know, and there's just this, there's this great gratitude and exchange of love that's happening. There's no real kind of like words the way that we think of them. It's it is definitely kind of a, a telepathic. Just sounds so small, um, uh, communication going on there where you're, where you're like, Oh, I remember how this works. And now I get to watch what I just did. And there's a great excitement to this. And even in the super cringy moments that all of us have, because that's part of the human experience, you're watching from this space of, of deep compassion for your own experience. You went there to mess up. And that's what's so important. We come from this space of all-knowing and perfection and omnipotence and eternal living to come and stuff ourselves into these little meat suits and confine ourselves to these five senses and to go do, go do your best. Let's see what you come up with there. How are you going to contribute to the greater collective consciousness by sticking yourself in that space, in that time, in that color, with that hairstyle, with that body weight, with that level of education, with those parents, with that level of no support or that total support? What are you going to do for us?
1: <laughs> and the world is a theater. It is <laughs> stage.
0: It is, and so love it. As you're observing what you've just done, even within those super cringy moments, you're going, oh, man, I see that. Oh, that's incredible. Because you're having the opportunity to see things unfold on all levels simultaneously. And it's not just you made this decision and then there's a black and white outcome to that. You made this decision and you're watching the full spectrum of things that happened as a result of that. The growth is immeasurable
1: love it yeah so you go
0: so through it and I go through it And at that stage I knew they didn't have to tell me I knew I was going back um and I couldn't wait and this is where people are like are you freaking nuts you're like in the the, the perfect space of divine love and I'm like I chose to be here that's why every waking moment if you're hanging out with me and your people are like why are you so happy all the time why are you because <laughs> I remember that I chose to be here And I don't spend an ounce of my time pining away to be somewhere else because I know inevitably that's where I'm going to be. So I want to make the most of every, every moment, every second that I have here, the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent, all of it. That's what I came here to be part of. So
1: your time while you were there, did this seem to be a lot longer than? Oh, absolutely. You know,
0: when I, when I awakened for a few moments inside the back of an ambulance with my broken neck, um, you know, I'm sure it hasn't been an infinity or a lifetime that's passed, but there it seemed like it did.
1: So but, you seemed, you felt you were there. How long would you say?
0: Oh gosh, there's no way to even put a, a time measure on it. Long enough to remember,
1: right? Who I am
0: and what I came here to do. And so um, when
1: you had this review, you, you you're like, wow, I got to go back. Did you like say your goodbyes? What was the conversation well, or the feel?
0: they were like, you do realize by choosing to go back now. And because now I'm suddenly aware of why I had to have the accident and what, and I'm like, Oh gosh, thank goodness. I I knew who I was going to be well enough to know that I wouldn't be exercising, um, you know, my, my highest service to humanity. And I set this up for myself. Thank heavens. Mm. So yeah, it's super important that, um, uh, you know that I was able to have that kind of understanding, and then go back into the world with that knowledge, knowing that they said to me that the bar would be set higher. They would be there to constantly support me, and that I would know it. and And they've never let me down. It's always been that way. When so they said, was that?
1: "What was that?" Uh, so, uh, take us through that those those steps. So they're they're transferring all this information to you. And what's your feel? What's your thoughts? And how did you exit this? I'm like, space? bring
0: it on. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I always make the joke, you know, I'm flying back into my body at breakneck speed. And, um, you know, bang, I, I fall into the body and my neck is broken, you know? And so then um, as I'm trying to put all of this together, I suddenly realized. Wait a second. These guys said that my abilities would change when I got back here. I already knew that I could see things before they happened, and I already knew that I knew how to talk to dead people. Um, what are they talking about? And so I would find out very quickly afterwards what they were talking about. Was I would have the ability at first when I was learning how to how to do it. My hands, you know, I would touch somebody, and it was like I would download a hard drive and as i downloaded this hard drive i would know what i needed to know in order to assist them through the next step whether it's emotional healing physical healing okay so
1: yeah can can, can we go back a little bit because i i'm Near-death experience topics, I mean, let's just be real. It's one of the, the greater topics that, it, that humanity can face. It's like, you know, is death. And, and a lot of people are like, okay, so you get there, you, start, you come back, boom, you're put into this broken body. And a lot of people seem to regret their decision in returning, or they feel rejected even. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they don't always recall that decision to come back. So when you hit your body and you're back in, your neck is broke, you're busted. Are you just rethinking your decision a bit? (laughs) I will not lie to you. There were about three days
0: and it was a very strange three days where, you know, you suddenly all of it is coming back to you and you're going, Ooh, (laughs) okay. And now I'm laying here and I can't swallow properly. And I, you know, I can't walk properly and I can't, uh, you know, I've just been told that, you know, the way that I've been smashed, I'm never going to have children. And, you know, like all the news that comes with all the damage that was done to the body has sunk in and the pain and the pain. pain. yes. What's So interesting is that, you know, this happened when I was 21, I'm now 51. I've lived with the pain longer than I didn't. And so I have learned how to, do everything with such joy and gratitude regardless of the pain. And my mantra when I wake up every morning is, is the pain that you're in today bigger than what you want to accomplish? And I can count on one hand in all of those years, the times when I went, yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to stay in bed today. (laughs) Um, you know, because I got stuff to do and pain is just a thing, you know, It's, it's just a thing. And, um, I have accomplished some of my greatest feats while I've been here in probably some of the worst pain that, um, that, that people mm-hmm. could imagine. And
1: that's, that's a big deal because I, I, I know you meet a lot of patients and I have too. And, and that just, it rules their world. They talk about it all day long. Mm-hmm. They, they're so unmotivated and they just want to give up on life because they are in excruciating pain. And, and they don't know how to let it go. They don't know how to work through it. They look for the best medicine for it. And and it's it's something that, it's such an individual thing. It's such, uh, even if people have identical injuries, it, the way that people interpret it, it's, it's a barrier that can be really hard to cross. So you're able to now, after you've gone through this horrific accident and, and injuries and dealing with this daily pain that has been a part of your life more uh, Mm -hmm. than you, than prior. So how are you able to interpret other people's injuries, other people's illnesses and, and to help them get through that? Well, so this
0: is, this is where, you know, judge the dead grandfather who comes up and says, you know, Hey, you're going to chiropractic school. And I'm like, "Uh, well, you went to medical school and he's like, yeah. You, we need you to go this way because we need you to learn that vitalistic approach to the, to the human experience. And I'm like, okay. And so I get to chiropractic school and suddenly I realize why, because as chiropractors, you're an occupational therapist, chiropractors, we have our hands all over people 24 yep. seven. <laughs> and so I now have the perfect venue in which to express, receive and learn this new gift. So I'm able to legally touch people all the time and start Learning how to interpret what these feelings, what these sounds, what this, um, what this energy that's coming through me, what it actually means. And so lo and behold, this is why I end up in chiropractic school because I could, you know. I could, I could get my hands all over people. And at this stage, probably 150,000 at this stage of my life. Um, And you start getting pretty good at seeing the patterns and you start getting pretty good at knowing, Oh, this is what cancer feels like. Oh, that sound, that same tone, that sounds like the same esophageal cancer that that other lady had. Mm -hmm. And you begin to recognize that there is a structure. There is a pattern to the way the human body allows the soul that's driving the body to express the the human experience, how to gather information. There's a pattern to this, the emotional state, the physical state, the intellectual state, the spiritual state, that the body falls within a certain range of frequencies. And within this range of frequencies, you're going to see X, Y, and Z ailment. Ah, they all have a sound. Well, then if it's a sound, then this is replicable and teachable. And it's something that, Anybody who is willing can use to change within their own experience. And this is where the magic started happening.
1: Love it. love it. Do tell. So how do you go about healing with sound vibration? Well, I actually, I speak to you
0: today from, from the science music studio. I'm I'm out here in Los Angeles and I'm uh, working with the founder of science music, um, Greg Papagna. And he is a master of frequency and he is a master of being able to interpret we've worked together on so many projects now and have developed a way to bring these frequencies to people where i've you know i've gone down and gone okay this is what this frequency stands for this is what this looks like this is what this sounds like and there's now a working diagram on my website where people can go in they can download these frequencies and look, I've had cancer twice. I've had a brain tumor. I've had, you know, like I said, broken neck, broken spine, everything that could have ever been done to a human body has been done to this body in order for me to be able to gather information, to share with the people around me who are genius in that field in order to create a way to bring this to people. And so, you know, I'm like, I'm still sitting here and I've had all of these things and I still, you know, I have all of these aches and pains, but I'm okay.
1: Do you right. know? I'm all
0: right. Because my outlook and my attitude towards that, I signed up for this. Yeah. Now, as I get older, I, you know, I'm, I mentioned I'm in my fifties, I'm going through menopause and I'm like, yeah, okay. I think I've done enough in that department. I've given 30 years of this human experience as Mary Helen to using this body as a, as a Petri dish, as an, you know, as a as a experimental, you know, um, equation of trying to put together all of these different elements of what it means to be human and what it means to be a human who uses illness to achieve certain things. And so that's really where my life has grown to is is unfolded in this great appreciation of how the body works and how we call in illness how we call in different emotional states in order to guide us through and give us the lessons that we came here to learn. We set the criteria ourselves for what we wanted to achieve during our short time here.
1: Do you find it frustrating when people say, well, why would God allow this to happen to me or my family or my friends? And, and, I, and it, I understand these soul agreements, these mm-hmm. lessons that we come down here to, to mm-hmm. learn. And, and 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 people are just like I would never agree to such a thing I'm like but this life is all about to the, going to the moment of death I mean <laughs> and and transferring over so it, it's it it's I will quickly
0: that, remind people it's how something that
1: eat. something that i i honestly I, I I just shake my head when I hear people talk that way so I'm curious what your perspective is well you know
0: you have we're living in a world of duality. That's the earth school. We're always trying to change. Like, look at what's going on in the atmosphere right now. You know, we've got all the protests going on. We've got a new virus. You know, look back in history. This is nothing new. This has been going on since the dawn of time. Earth school is actually quite predictable. We run a series of cycles. You know, people come in, people leave, they reincarnate, they leave. We run a series of cycles that people can count on. If I'm going to Harvard Law, I can be guaranteed that I'm going to learn law at Harvard Law School. Now, if I go there and I'm lurk, looking to learn how to bake, a, a, you know, a, a good souffle, that's not the school for me. So I know before I enter a, a body or an incarnation here that I'm coming to a school that teaches and operates in duality. And so when people are asking those kind of questions, I am very compassionate when I understand that they're asking them from a space of a, of a, they've bought duality hook, line, and sinker. They are really, really ensconced in what it means to be part of the earth experience. And so when they say, and I hear it all the time, I would never agree to this. Right. What, you think I would give myself cancer? I'm like, hell yeah, I did. Do you know? <laughs> but I also understand yeah. that I have a very different outside experience of what's going on here. I walked outside, the veil was lifted. It can't be put, put back down again. So my greatest challenge is walking around knowing all that stuff. Exactly. You know? exactly. And having deep compassion for those who don't remember. So my job right. here is to lovingly guide people in a way that's completely digestible when they go, well, how could God let this happen? I'm like, just pause for a second. Right. And digest this. When I say to you, you are God, you are the creator. You are the high vibrational being that set out to create these challenges for yourself here.
1: So do you say that because you personally didn't see God in your near death experience? I mean, how would your, (laughs) how would your, your parents feel with you speaking about God. Well, <laughs> my
0: father has gone back to that knowing. So he totally gets it now because he's not here. He's not operating as a Southern Baptist minister anymore. Yeah. He's back to his light body.
1: So you know? when you first came with this information, what did he, how did he feel about it? Did he ever hear you speak like that or? He, oh, he did. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And it, it, <laughs> it
0: challenged him, but there was a part of him that knew it to be so. Do you know? Because he has, he would always, he was forever changed by the experience during my mom's pregnancy with me. He couldn't discount that, you know. That that happened to him. It wasn't a story he read. It wasn't something he read in a book. He, right. You know, it wasn't something somebody else told him. It happened to him, and he could no longer be the same. And so, what was very interesting after hearing me talk like that, one of my very favorite dad stories is, you know, he died from Alzheimer's. And the beauty of that disease for my father, he was an extraordinarily disciplined man. He was a world champion bodybuilder. His body was his temple. He took excellent care of himself. He led an extremely disciplined life because he felt the responsibility as a minister, as a football coach, as a a pillar of our community that he wanted to lead by example. That was how he chose. He never drank. He never smoked. He never swore. And that's hard in this world. That is a, that's a tough pill to swallow that you're going to be that guy. But that's the guy he chose to be. And so as he started to, to, to drop deeper into Alzheimer's, where we look at that and go, oh, my God, this is horrible. I'm watching my father, a man who dedicated his life to that kind of discipline, turn around and get to he got to cuss. He didn't do it well, but he got to cuss. He got to be angry. He got to say things, you know, like I will never forget. And this is awful to say, but I just it's so funny to me. A nurse came in, you know, and um, she was quite a heavyset individual, lovely girl. And my dad, of course, is out of his mind at this stage. And she comes in and she's like, Coach Hensley, da, 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 da. And he said, Sugar, you'd be beautiful if you weren't a whale. And my oh, mother nearly fell out of her chair. She was no. horrified, right? Oh, God. And I'm sitting there going, and, I felt, and she laughed because she works with Alzheimer patients. And she knows, <laughs> right? She yeah. didn't take it personally. But I'm watching this guy say things that are inappropriate, expressing his rage. It's something he never did in his entire lifetime. So while he still had breath in his body before he took his exit, he got to be these things, express these things, put those tools in his toolbox of knowledge of what it meant to be that guy. And so when he was dying, my mother and I were there, and it was very, very late. And this was this was before. It was an experience he had before he died, not not at the time of death. And my father had become very fearful of death which was really interesting to watch someone who'd been preaching his entire life about what waits for us beyond what's there and God's love and death is not something to be feared. You know, it's something to be conquered and it's this and that. And Next thing he won't lay down in a bed because he's terrified if he goes flat, he's dead. And he had not been able to speak at this stage. He mumbled. He just mumbled for months on end. And he was now the classic Alzheimer's sundowner patient who would shuffle around, drop his pants, mumble. He'd go wash his hands. He'd sit down. He'd get up. He was just constantly agitated. And this one night my mother was exhausted. I was exhausted. We'd had a very rough day with him. He'd had a really hard day. And he comes out of the bathroom after washing his hands for the 8,000th time. And he gets into the bed and he lies down. And my mom looks at me and I'm like, Ooh, something's interesting. Something interesting is getting ready to happen. He reaches up and he says, I can see it. I can see it. And my mom's looking at me because my dad hasn't spoken in months. Wow. And she's looking at me with that look going, Oh my God, he's dying. And I'm like, I don't think so because the auric field, when a person is taking leave of the body, looks like a fireworks display. His didn't have that yet. So I'm like, mom, I think he's just having experience. Just sit tight. And I'm like, all right, dad, what can you see? And he said, The land beyond the river, sugar. And it's more beautiful than anything you've ever written about. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. Which subsequently became the title of my third book because I thought it was so cute. Um, And I'm like, well, what's going on? And he's like, mama's there. She looks so young. And we're like, okay, I'm holding his hand or whatever. Next thing, he looks like a deer in in headlights and he just gasps. And I'm like, you all right, dad? And he goes, daddy's there. And I said, okay. My grandfather on my father's side, my dad's father is not someone that my dad would have expected to see in the land beyond the river or heaven. Um, you know, my dad's sister say he was a great guy. I never knew him. He died way before I came along. Um, but he had some things. He was a human being. I think he gambled a little bit and he, you know, did some things that, Um, My father wouldn't have condoned
1: Mm.
0: in his paradigm. (laughs) And so he was certain that my grandfather had not made it there. And so now all of a sudden he's looking in this vision face to face with his own father. And he sits up and he turns to my mom and this is hands down one of the most amazing moments of my life. And he turns to my mom and he goes, Helen, I've had it wrong all along you can't mess this thing up. Everybody's welcome here. Beautiful. And we just sat there and I looked at my mom, you know, and she was tired and she's, you know, she's got tears in her eyes and she leans over ever the teacher and she goes, write that down. (laughs) (laughs) And so I did. And there it is in one of those books. That's Um, beautiful. And it was, I thought, such a profound way of seeing that somebody comes in, they live their life one way. And in that last moment, he realizes,
1: oh gosh, I came here for the experience. I had it wrong
0: all along. Yeah.
1: I love. Everybody that. gets to go. Love that. So tell us a bit about how you, you help individuals who come to you uh, with some of the, the processes that you've helped develop. I mean, I find this fascinating.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's evolved over the years, you know, I still love the one-on-ones I, no matter how, how, how many books I've written or how far I travel or how many crowds I speak to. I love that one-on-one interaction. And so somebody will come in and there's, you know, there's a beautiful frequencies playing in the background and I've got my hands on them and these stories will unfold. Actually my book called understanding is the new healing gives a really great taste of how these experiences unfold. The first half of the book is all about past life stuff. Um, The second half is about different people who have had interactions, you know, with, relatives who've died with otherworldly beings. Um, it's, it's a really, really neat sampling of all of the things that I've done over the years. It gives people a really good idea. But the idea of the book is that they see me not as the healer who's facilitating the healing, but as the window washer who's wiping the window clean so that people can see out for themselves. That's who I am. That's what I do. And I encourage people from the get-go, don't get hung up on what I do. The same way that people in the name of religious characters and, you know, people who perform this miracle and that miracle, they never came here to have anything, a religion made after them. They came here to show something that we're all capable of doing. All of them said it. But we never seem to go back to that. We, all, we, love, put, we love a guru. Last chapter in that book is called Gurusalam because we love a guru. And what I am spending the remainder of my life trying to teach people is you already are your guru. The book that i'm working on at the moment is called apotheosis which means man's discovery that he already is god and so i'm just reminding people for anyone with eyes to see it and ears to hear it that we are a series of frequencies and lights and experiences and once you remember that and once you choose to open up your space and go oh That cancer actually wasn't something that was done to me. It was done for me. And oh, by the way, I did it to myself. And here's what I got from that. I either got an exit out of this existence because all of us have to get out of here somehow. Or I got this deep understanding of where I had missed the mark. And that's the true definition of sin. Sin is missing the mark.
1: How does so many people get it wrong then that have near-death experiences that see Jesus Christ on the other side, uh, <laughs> you know, or they've met uh, the source of God uh, and and they come back with this knowledge and, and you're saying, well, no one was there. So. <laughs> no, it's, the, been- oh, it's
0: not that no one was there. It's the perception of what we've been taught. Do you know, like I would have at, if you take me as a 21 year old, based on my upbringing, my Christian upbringing, I thought, Hey, the dead relatives were going to meet me. Escort me through the gate, and then there was going to be Jesus and God, right? And but, not that everybody, is,
1: but not everybody gets to see Christ and their near death experiences. But I know somebody that met Muhammad and <laughs> was mm-hmm. not raised uh, Muslim. So it's, 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 I agree 100%. It's interesting to me the, the different perspectives, the different experiences, and uh, the different bits of information that people come back with. I saw Jesus in my near death. So, I know a lot of people who have, <laughs> but and I know not. I've seen that individual
0: on numerous occasions. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's nothing that um, I, I would really have anticipated. I didn't know I was very young when mm-hmm. it happened, so it's like so. But to come back with for sure, we are gods. I, I, I'm where does that come from?
0: That was just that was the knowing of and 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 the term God, the you know, the God or creator means that I am in. I am the one who is setting up the design for what I choose to come into this plane of existence to experience.
1: That part I get, yes. Yeah. I, I I do recall before I was born, I remember all that, and a lot of people recall this uh, agreement and choosing their parents even and, mm-hmm. and their siblings and their whole soul group, mm-hmm. but they know of their being a God or knowing of of Christ or... Uh, I've even heard I of think, Moses, uh, you know, I, I've, and, and, and Muhammad, of course. So Absolutely, and I don't discount that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I,
0: I wholeheartedly agree with that. The same way that we've fractured into, you know, that we're in these fractals of human experience. Some of us are black, some of us are white, some of us are women, some of us are men, some of us are, are living in total abundance and affluence, some of us in dirt poverty, some of us have abuse experiences, some of us have car accidents, some of us are highly educated, that we're fractals, right? That each one of us, so does that mean because I'm having this experience that someone over there isn't having a different experience? Absolutely not. We're taking a snapshot of one near death experience in one time, in one death. I've had several in this lifetime. In that moment, in that experience, that's what happened.
1: Oh, yeah. But that's
0: only, it's like taking an x-ray of somebody. Mm -hmm. You know, as a doctor, I would take multiple x-rays of people. That's a snapshot of that person in that exact moment the person that could come into me tomorrow could be someone
1: totally different. Right. But you know? the, creating, the creating of this lifetime, the agreement to come to experience life a certain way, how does that make us creators? That, that's what I'm curious about. How does that make us part of, I, I believe that we all contribute our thoughts to God's plan. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. To say that we are we are the only ones that are doing this. How right. that, how, where's that conclusion? Come from? Well,
0: I think that what you're, uh, what you're speaking of is that, that ultimate source frequency. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Do I believe in that? Yeah. What I'm speaking of is what's happening in the bubble of the earth plane. There are so many bubbles, <laughs> Do you know, so to, in this experience, what I came to understand was that when we're here and the whole reason that people can speak of incarnating or reincarnation is because when they're coming back into the earth cycle and when they're recycling through that and trying to see a life experience from many perspectives, I can be the homeless person. I can be the one who, who makes fun of the homeless person. I can be the one who feeds the homeless person. I could be the one in houses or finances. You know, I can be all different aspects of what it means to be the homeless person. And so by doing that, I am recycling through a series of lifetimes or incarnations here on earth while remaining remaining within the earth plane experience. And so what we have come to discover is that we put a tag on that, that heaven, nirvana, whatever you want to call it, that that was an ultimate destination after death on the earth plane, which I think, this is my personal opinion through my experience, isn't the case. I think it's only one small element of a much bigger plan of an ultimate source, if that makes sense. So dying in the near death experience and then coming back in or having recollection of other lifetimes on earth means that I've been in just this one, one part of the grand source experience. So that doesn't discount an ultimate source or God for me. It means that in that experience I'm creating alongside, you know, it's like, a, you know, if I'm an actor, in a in a movie, and I'm creating a my character, I'm creating that character, it doesn't mean that I don't have a, a producer or a director.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, so it's like, because I, I have so many people that come on my shows, and, and they're like, the aliens made us, they are our God, you know, and I hear so many different perspectives. I'm like, okay, I'm sure where'd you, where'd you get that perspective from? Because it's like, it's something that definitely I feel is important to be clear on because it, it, it is. Um, I agree. It's a powerful statement to say. Absolutely. <laughs> but now, I how, agree. How can people get a hold of you if they want to uh, meet you or, Just or go to your next event or, yes. or even next. make an appointment to be yeah. seen?
0: MaryhelenHensley.com.
1: So love
0: it. Just like it sounds H E N S L E Y, Mary Helen com, And if people go under downloads, you'll see the package of all of the frequencies um, that we've worked with, with a listener's guide as to what each of those stands for. So like I said, my work has evolved. I do one-on-ones. I teach people how to use these frequencies. Now I'm, I've made it so easily available for people to do that. If they need further counsel, I'm always there, but put it in such an easy way for people to access this and use this in their daily lives you. you know for me using frequency is the same as somebody who uses a medicine box or goes to the gym or has their homeopathic routine you know i use frequency in everything that i do because i've learned how easy it is to positively manipulate my world and my experience through the use of sound
1: well, I want to thank you so much for joining me. This has been really fascinating. One of my favorite topics, near-death experiences. So Dr. Mary Helen Hensley, thank you so much. This, is, uh, this has been a lot of fun. Heidi, you're doing great work. I appreciate you <laughs> so much. Thank you, thank you. So you guys, remember, you can catch me here on Angels to Aliens with me, Heidi Hollis, The Outlander on Believe. And please visit HeidiHollis.com. And remember, if you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the show on itunes we're available on your favorite directories like spotify google play stitcher luminary and TuneIn. and you can find us at believe.com b-l-e-a-v.com or at believe podcast and no you can find me on most social media at one heidi hollis thank you so much for joining me here on angels to aliens angels to aliens
0: from ghost stories to angel encounters Bigfoot sightings, alien abduction, near-death experiences, and more. Get advice and insight with Angels to Aliens. With Heidi Hollis, The Outlander.